All right, we're going to continue taking a look at um, the Acts, uh, the book of Acts, and um, the message and the example of the Spirit working through the apostles. And I like to remind us each week as we take a, a look at this, uh, sometimes I think we forget Jesus' first disciples were Jewish, right? We sometimes forget that. Jesus' first disciples were Jewish. They knew the Old Testament well. Um, they knew about the prophets, and they knew about the books of Moses, and they knew about the, uh, the kings and the history of Israel. The other thing I think sometimes that we uh, forget is that the early apostles, um, especially what we see in this first half of the book of Acts, is these early apostles were actually going and speaking to the people of God, okay? Sometimes we think about um, early Christians and followers of Jesus is they just went out and they began uh, speaking with folks who didn't know anything about God. But if we're paying attention in the first half of the book of Acts, actually what is going on is an internal struggle within Judaism, an internal struggle within the people of God to comprehend what God is doing. And the early disciples were seeking to convince um, their, their fellow Israelites, their fellow uh, Ju Judaism folks. Uh, they were trying to convince them that in Jesus, the prophet that they had expected had come, the Messiah that they had expected had come, the king that they expected had come, and a new age had been given birth. This new age where God was going to do a new thing to reconcile and to restore and to deliver his people. And so it's important for us to remember as we hear this book of Acts that what we're really seeing in these first 15 chapters is an internal struggle within the people of God. The people who understood the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be the God of all creation. And so keep that in mind as we continue uh, through this book. We've already seen uh, that as they have done that, they have experienced uh, trouble within uh, the Jewish faith as those who uh, disagree with their understanding of who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. And we have also seen within the followers of Jesus, within this small, uh, what I like to call a denomination uh, of Judaism, um, there was even some disagreements within them. We've seen where uh, folks uh, pretended to be a part of the community, um, and, and we saw the effects of that. And then we saw last week in chapter 6, uh, we saw this difficulty, these growing pains that the early followers of Jesus were experiencing uh, because um, the apostles were trying to do everything. And as a result... Um, when it came to distributing the common resources that they had, the, the finances and the food that they, that they pulled together, pulled together uh, to care for those in need with their community, when it came to distributing that, they were falling short of people's expectations, and some folks thought they were being uh, left behind or not cared for. And so um, the, the church got together, the followers of Jesus got together, and they decided, they came up with a solution. The apostles still thought they needed to focus on prayer and on sharing the word of God. And so what they did is they appointed seven people who would be in charge 
of distributing uh, these resources, especially distributing to the widows and to those within the family uh, of Jesus who were in need. And it was interesting because as we looked at that last week briefly, we, we noticed that um, all of the people they appointed were Greek-speaking Jews. In other words, they were Jews who had probably lived outside Jerusalem, um, had um, assimilated somewhat into the culture, and certainly learned Greek, um, and had ended up in Jerusalem for some reason. And they were given the chore of distributing this, uh, mainly because it was the Greek-speaking folks who thought that they weren't being looked after. And we're told that two of those folks who were appointed to be distributors of these goods were Stephen and Philip. We're also given the names of the other five, but we don't see anything about them in Scripture. Last week, we looked at, um, we looked at the story of Stephen. And we looked how um, Stephen um, urged and challenged the temple leadership. The temple leadership who had rejected Jesus who did not see God working in and through Jesus. We saw Stephen uh, challenging them, giving them one more chance to, to turn toward this new thing that God was doing. And instead, just like with Jesus, they stoned Stephen. And so we pick up the story there um, in Acts chapter 8. And um, I'm going to read these first few verses of chapter 8. And, and then I'm going to give you an overview of the rest of 8 and what Philip does. And we're going to unpack this passage. Uh, but we are told this is immediately after um, Stephen has been stoned. And so it says, at that time, that is after Stephen had been dragged out and stoned, the church in Jerusalem, that is the Jesus followers, began to be subjected to vicious harassment. And this harassment was coming from within the people of God. It was coming from uh, the Jewish folks and the temple leaders especially. Everyone except the apostles scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Now, does that sound familiar? If we're paying attention in Acts chapter 1, what did Jesus tell us that the disciples would do? Uh, they would be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we begin to see already what's going on here. This, um, this mission that Jesus had given them is being fulfilled in this kind of strange way. Um, it says, everyone except the apostles were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Some pious men buried Stephen and deeply grieved over him. Saul, we'll hear more about Saul next week. Saul began to wreak havoc against the church. Entering one house after another, he would drag off both men and women and throw them in prison. Now, I love this next verse. I love this next verse because I don't think it's a response that we would expect. And I'm not sure it would be our response today. But this is what it says. Those who had been scattered, they moved on. Preaching the good news along the way. Now, get your head around that. Sometimes we read this chapter 8 and we forget to look at the context and the situation within which this story is being told. The followers of Jesus are being dragged out and thrown into prison because in the eyes of the temple leaders, 
and a good number of the Jewish peoples, in their eyes, these people are heretics. They are teaching things that are blasphemous against God. And so they are being dragged out in the streets and they are being thrown into prison. We're told the apostles stay put in Jerusalem, but other folks begin to scatter out of Jerusalem because that's where the persecution was the worst. They begin to scatter out into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But I find it amazing that as they scatter, I mean, you would think, right, in the middle of persecution, uh, when people are being persecuted, when, when Stephen has been stoned for saying Jesus is the one that we have waited for, Jesus is the Messiah and the Deliverer, Jesus is the King that we have waited for, Jesus is the one who is inaugurating this new age that we have been promised, when, when he is stoned, when he is killed... you would think that they might scatter and keep their mouths shut, right? If we're honest with ourselves, that may be indeed what we would do. But think about this. They have just experienced this horrific experience. And Philip goes to Samaria and begins to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we look at the rest of this chapter, what we see is, is Philip goes to Samaria and he begins to share what he has experienced. He begins to talk about this kingdom of God which is breaking into the world in a new and different way. And not only does he talk about it, he begins to touch people and they're healed. He begins to pray over them and demons and things that bind them are cast out and they are freed. Now, it may be one thing to preach about the good news, but he is also demonstrating it. And if we've read the Gospels, if we've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the same things that Jesus did. He spoke about this kingdom of God that was breaking in, that was coming in and through him, but he also demonstrated what that kingdom of God meant. It meant that people could be set free. And so we see Philip uh, preaching this in Samaria and, and he teaches and he does these signs and wonders in such a fashion that the people in the city of Samaria where he is, they pay attention to him. It says they pay really deep attention to what he is saying. They're taking what he is saying seriously. And they are moved to begin to follow Jesus. And now, we're also told that after this encounter, uh, Philip is nudged by an angel to, to go out on a road where he encounters an Ethiopian eunuch. This is someone from Ethiopia um, who... Um, it has apparently been in Jerusalem. And again, we see Philip encounter this eunuch... He hears the eunuch reading from Isaiah, and he jumps up in the chariot with him and helps him interpret what is going on in Isaiah. And again, this person apparently comes to believe that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the Messiah, he is the king, he is this prophet. 
Now, as we look at Acts chapter 8, there's a few things I, I want us to think about. First of all, the situation, which I've already unpacked. I just want us to get our head around that. I want us to get our head around, these were not good and wonderful times in which Philip and other uh, of these deacons were going out in the world. I also want you to think about this. What did Philip sign up to do? Philip signed up to distribute resources and to be sure that widows got their food. Philip didn't sign up for what he's doing. It's not what he signed up for. Situations and circumstances change uh, because the people are driven out. I don't guess he has to worry so much about distributing the food and the resources because people are scattering everywhere. And so uh, Philip understands uh, that regardless of that, he's called to share the good news of Jesus wherever he goes. We don't hear him like whining, like, God, this is not what I signed up for. Instead, we see him fleeing, and we see it almost as natural. He couldn't help himself but to share about the kingdom of God and to share about the good news of Jesus Christ. And look at the people he's sharing the message with. Now, we don't think about this often, but Samaritans, um, they were... Um, Borderline Jews at best, I guess is the way to put it. Um, you see, uh, they were folks from the northern kingdom of Israel who had been exiled. Their, their descendants were. Um, and, and they had intermarried. While they had remained faithful to the Jewish faith, they had intermarried with folks that weren't from the Jewish faith. And so um, they were kind of questionable as to whether they were really good Jewish people or not. On top of that... Um, they only accepted the first five books of the Old Testament, what we call the Pentateuch. They only accepted that as Scripture. They didn't accept the prophets or the kings or any of that stuff. Basically, they didn't accept anything that related to the temple. Because, you see, they weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to enter into the temple. They weren't allowed to enter into the court uh, of Jewish folks. Uh, and so uh, they did not understand the temple to be so central to their faith. They were on the fringes of Judaism. Likewise, the Ethiopian eunuch, um, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, um, who, was, who was obviously Jewish because it says he had come to Jerusalem probably for Passover and Pentecost to worship, but again, he wouldn't be allowed to enter into the temple uh, because he had been castrated, so he couldn't do that because of his position um, uh, working for a queen of Ethiopia. He wouldn't be able to do that. And so look at the people that Philip is now reaching out to. We saw with Stephen, he's in the center of the temple leaders trying to convince them to change their ways and not reject Jesus. Uh, that didn't go so well. And so what we begin to see is we begin to see these followers of Jesus to reach out into the fringes of the people of God. People who had probably been told, well, you're kind of Jewish, but you're really not good enough. So, you know, um, you're, you're kind of okay, but don't ever expect to be of much worth. These are the kind of people that Philip is reaching out to. And what he's telling them is, no, you are fully embraced by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
You were fully embraced into this family of Jesus followers. You are fully welcomed into this family of God-fearers. You are invited to be a part of this kingdom and this people. What a powerful message to a people had basic, who had basically been told, uh, well, you may not be outsiders, but you're certainly not the core. Now, the other thing is we look at the situation, we look at the who as to who Philip reached out to. What about the message? What about the message of what Philip shared? Do you notice the message it says that he shared about the kingdom of God? And he shared about the good news of Jesus Christ. So I assume he's sharing some of the same things that Jesus shared. He's talking about the fact that God has come. God has entered into this world and God has come to heal people. God has come to reconcile people, not just to God, but to each other. God has come uh, to um, deliver people from that which holds them in bondage. And God has come to restore people to their connection with God. I find it interesting, as we go along in the book of Acts, I want you all to count the number of times in the book of Acts where the apostles go to people either within the church or outside the church, and they say, you need to convert and become Jesus followers because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. If you don't, you're going to be condemned. Where do, where do they say that in the book of Acts? I challenge you, if nothing else, if you think I'm full of baloney, go home, read, your, read, read Acts and point out to me where it says that was the message that was ever shared in the early church. How did the message that we so frequently share become a message that says, become a Christian, become a follower of Jesus so that something bad won't happen to you? No, you see, the message of the early disciples was life is already a wreck. Life is already a mess. Life is already a hell. Be delivered from it. Jesus came to deliver us from that, to set us free of that. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled to each other and that we could be reconciled to God. That was the message. That was the good news. That was the announcement of the kingdom of God coming upon the earth. The condemnation and the brokenness that people needed to flee was that which they were already experiencing. And so the message was, Jesus came to set us free and to heal us and to make us whole, and to give us hope. And what was, what was the result of Philip sharing this message? In both passages, see if I can find it. In both passages, uh, this is, is what it says about what happened in uh, Samaria. Uh, in the city in Samaria, there was great rejoicing in the city. People were baptized. What happened with the eunuch? 
The eunuch was so excited as Philip unpacked the story of Isaiah and how Jesus was indeed this one who, this suffering servant who had come to restore Israel, to restore people in connection and communion with God. He was so excited. They were passing some water and he said, what's to stop you from baptizing me right here? And he stops the chariot. He gets out and Philip baptizes him right there. And we're told he goes on rejoicing. He goes on rejoicing. See, the results of this sharing of the kingdom of God, this sharing of the good news of Jesus, it resulted in people being baptized. That is, people being initiated into this community, this new community, this new thing that God was doing, this new creation that God was putting together of people who sought to live in union with one another and in union with God so that they could grow closer to God and closer to one another so that they could discover where they were sent, so that they could make a difference in the world, so that they could share the gospel message and where they shared it, others would be baptized and they would go out rejoicing. You see, in the early church, when the gospel was shared, when it was heard, people rejoiced because they heard it as good news, not as bad news. Not a news that says you are condemned if you don't believe this, but a news that said, if you want to live life to its fullest, come and follow this Jesus. If you want to be healed of the things that bind you, come and follow Jesus. If you want to be set free so that you can worship this awesome God of creation in the very depths of your being, come to Jesus. If you want to have hope in the midst of persecution... In the midst of trouble, come to this Jesus because he is the one who offers that hope. If you simply want to be made whole and know that you are a person of value and a child of God, come to this Jesus. No wonder that the early church grew and grew and grew. Even, even when they were scattered because of persecution. Let us get our heads around that today. Let us get our heads around that today. I still am having a hard time believing that the focus of the church in this pandemic has been to say we want to do things the way we've always done them. Rather than saying, well, it seems like maybe God's scattering us or allowing us to be scattered. Maybe rather than saying this isn't what we signed up for, we need to be saying, Spirit, where are you leading us to do things differently, to make a difference in the lives of other people, to unpack the kingdom of God and the good news of Jesus Christ that you can be set free, that people can be set free, that they can be delivered, that they can know life uh, in, in a deeper depth, even in the midst of this chaotic time. It does make a difference I don't know if many of you got a chance. I posted, um, 
I posted a message that my sister did last week at her home church. For those of you, you, you know, her, um, her husband was the pastor of this church. My brother-in-law, he died about four weeks ago. And she stood up in front of the church in the midst of his death in deep anguish of her. And she said, I have seen the goodness of God. I can get through this time because I know Jesus and Jesus is with me and I am walking well. I am a witness to the goodness of God despite her deep grief and pain. We can't even deal with the uncomfortableness of a pandemic. without complaining that things aren't the way we want them to be. God is with us, and God goes with us. And God sends us forth in all kinds of different situations to share the good news of Jesus, to be the people who stand up and say, yeah, these times aren't great, But Jesus walks with me. I still see God at work. I still have a joy in my life that goes beyond understanding. I still have a sense of peace and of contentment. And despite not knowing what the real answers are for how to go forward, we will trust and we know that God goes with us. It doesn't mean he'll make everything okay. But he will be with us whatever happens. Hear this message. Hear this story of Philip today. The story of a man who left Jerusalem because of persecution. And rather than complain, he continued to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He shared it with all kinds of people. And when they heard the good news of what Jesus had done through him and in him and was continuing to do, they said, how can I become a part of that? Baptize me. And then off they went rejoicing because they had been set free. They had been healed. They were on the path full of hope and wholeness. May we hear that word today. May that challenge us as we go forth this week that we might share the good news.